Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week of listening to me make dad jokes as a podcast introduction. For my weekly listeners, welcome back, and for any new listeners, I'm your host, Matt Zapala, and this is the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. But in all seriousness, guys, this week's podcast is an absolute belter. I was fortunate enough to sit down and record with Samantha Nix, who is a plant-based chef across the other side of the world in London. Sam initially turned vegan for health reasons, but now is completely passionate about the ethical and environmental benefits that a plant-based diet has on our planet. This episode is a cracker for any listeners who are thinking of transitioning to a whole foods plant-based diet, but just don't know where to start. Sam also shares with us her tips on pantry essentials, fridge essentials, and essentials that you need to have in your spice rack to make your taste buds ignite and make plants taste good. There's also a few tips in here for supermarket shopping on a budget and ensuring you're getting bang for your buck when buying plants. I couldn't think of anything better than making plants taste good for a living, Sam, as well as educating and inspiring people on how to lead a healthy, sustainable lifestyle through the power of food. Enjoy the show, folks. Sam Nix, welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. How are you? Good, thanks. And you? Thank you for having me. Anytime. And I understand I'm doing a dinner podcast over here while you're all the way across the other side of the world in London having breakfast. Am I correct? Yes, just waking up. (laughs) Yeah, that time zone difference. So it's about 7 p.m. here and roughly about 8 o'clock over there in the morning. I understand. Alrighty, Sam, yeah. you, I've followed you on Instagram for a little while now. I'm so glad we were able to connect and get you on the podcast. And I love everything that you're doing in the plant-based community. Basically, before we get into everything that you're doing as a plant-based chef, I want to know what life was like for you growing up. So life for me growing up, um, I grew, back, grew up back home in South Africa in Cape Town. And I went to an all-girls school. And I had two older sisters. And we grew up eating quite a heavy meat-based diet. And as you know, that's just the way it is in South Africa. We grew up with sort of meat and two veg. Grew up with a very healthy diet. It's similar over here in Australia. The traditional Australian diet is meat and three veg. And and that's basically considered healthy or what we knew as as to be healthy back when we were growing up was that that was quite similar for you what you thought to be healthy didn't you yes that's what my parents knew and that's what we knew and we considered it to be quite healthy excellent yeah and what what happened next after that so you you were growing up with two younger or older sisters were they so i had two older sisters but we were all very close in age yeah and we so i grew up living a very active lifestyle my dad is a long distance cyclist and my mom's a long distance runner and we grew up eating a fairly healthy diet we didn't really have a sweet cupboard we weren't allowed soda at home we would eat like those things when we were out at parties or visiting friends but in our house it was eating quite a well-balanced diet drinking water and if we wanted something a bit sweet it was juice but that had to be mixed with water I danced from the age of three I did ballet right from the age of three till about I was 
probably 13 or 14 and then I started modern dance awesome. I did netball yeah so we lived a pretty active lifestyle I mean we had the mountains and the beach you're always out active outdoors exploring nature yeah Definitely. It sounds like a dream living as a kid, being so active and eating such a, such a healthy diet back then or what we knew to be clean. What, did you, what sort of foods were featuring on your plate? Was it typical South African uh, dishes and what, what, were they, what were they featured? We didn't really eat typical South African dishes. I mean, typical South African dishes were just like a lot of meat and we did a lot of barbecues, as we like to call them in South Africa, bras. Um, and so I ate like spaghetti bolognese, mac and cheese. I would have tops. I, my favorite thing to eat was um, pork. So I love bacon. I love pork tops. I particularly love the fat. My sisters, I remember my sisters always passing me down their bits of fat on the dinner table because I loved it so much. <laughs> Lunch for school, yeah. <laughs> I look back at that now and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> Definitely, I yeah, can relate I mean, doing all, all those sorts of things basically because we, we thought that was right. And, and it's funny how when you're looking back now, your your perception have, have definitely changed. Go on with what you were saying. Sorry to interrupt you before. No, no, it's okay. Yeah, my, I, my perception's definitely changed. So, and then school lunches, um, from what I remember, I used to eat like ham and cheese sandwiches and just the sort of like basic foods that you would eat and then when I got to teenage years I became a bit fussy and we were all sort of just pick up my mum sort of stopped packing us lunches and I would sort of make my own things I was super lazy I wasn't really into cooking I would come home and eat cereal or I would like make myself plain couscous pasta and yeah there you go and I'll just stop you there Sam did you ever stop and think about where the food on your plate was actually coming from during those years so I think when I was a lot younger I obviously had no idea but I had um, my grandfather had a farm in the Karoo and so we grew up um, being exposed to farm life so I would go milk cows and drink that milk um, for my breakfast in the morning, I watched a lamb get slaughtered and had that on my plate. My um, family would go shoot the the buck in in the um, farmlands, and we would um, dry the meat and have the biltong dried meat. And yes, yeah, so I was kind of aware. I, I would see it happen, and I would eat it, and we we weren't so oblivious to it. I think as much as the kids are now. So I was sort of aware, but I didn't really pay attention and I wasn't that bothered. I wasn't a huge animal lover growing up. We had like some cats and guinea pigs and rabbits and sort of things growing up, but I wasn't like a huge, like obsessive animal lover. So I wasn't that bothered by knowing that I was eating meat. Definitely. And you hit the nail on the head when you said that you were actually quite connected with what was happening, whereas children nowadays and often adults as well don't really know the connection and can't really relate the food on their plate to to the animal that's sitting right beside them while they're eating it and the distinguishment between between animals is is quite common as well would you agree yes definitely and I also think that um yeah there's such a big disconnect between what's on your plate and and, and then the whole process of where your meat actually comes from Luckily in South Africa, our meat wasn't so, I mean, it was mass produced, but 
it was a lot more I don't know how you say it because it's not really humane anymore but um it was like grass fed and they got to roam around and you would go to the farms and you would see like the sheep scattered it wasn't like in a very heavy um mass-produced sort of slaughterhouse way that it is now on such a big scale yeah better living conditions for the animals during their lifetime yep so doing all the all the things that you possibly could without turning to a plant-based diet for sure and when did the passion for food and and cooking begin for you because i remember you were saying in the earlier earlier in the podcast that you weren't really connected with food like you just ate what was there and you, you didn't really have a passion so so when did that begin for you I think that it started, I dated um, my, one of my ex-boyfriends and I, I think I was 16. He loved cooking and he sort of started to show me how to cook things. But I still wasn't that interested. I mean, I was at school. I would rather be out socializing or doing other things than like cooking. So I would leave it up to my mum. And it wasn't till I was probably... I don't even know, like in my uni years when I actually went, adopted a vegan diet that I started to become interested. But even then I was still not a big fan of cooking. And it was, wasn't until I moved over to London and really started to take an interest in veganism and the whole lifestyle that I started to fall in love with cooking. Yeah, definitely. And again, that was just, yeah, at home. Definitely. Sorry to interrupt. And you, you learned the foundations at about 16 to, to, to cook there. And I understand you're now living in London. You grew up in South Africa. I want to know what happened there throughout uni. Like I understand that you moved to London for a university degree. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? So I actually, I studied in South Africa in Cape Town. I studied, um, I had a gap year and I sort of traveled a little bit I went to Israel and then I came back and I worked at a, um, a little boutique store and I decided that I wanted to study fashion against what my parents wanted they wanted me to go to UCT and study like a general BA degree that everyone sort of did in Cape Town and I sort of went against I was a bit rebellious and I was like no I'm studying fashion I want to do this and so I did I went to uni when I was 19 and I started, I, I studied a three-year degree in fashion and business, which I absolutely loved. I don't think I could have, any, I couldn't have done anything else. I absolutely loved my degree. It was super hands-on. I was creating. I was in the fashion world. I loved fashion growing up. But it was in uni that I, I think it was in my second year of uni that I um, remember getting an, an incredibly sore pain in my back. And um, sort of dropping down to the floor with my sister there. And um, I was rushed to hospital. And I found out that I had kidney stones. Wow. Which is very, very rare for a 19-year-old girl. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so that was when my vegan journey began. I um, went to see a homeopath and he recommended that I ditch all meat and dairy and adopt a plant-based diet. And quit caffeine. I was drinking quite a lot of coffee. I mean, I was in university and I was doing colitis. I was drinking like three or four cups of coffee a day. (laughs) And I was partying. um, So I was drinking a lot of alcohol. And he said, stop drinking alcohol, stop drinking caffeine and give up meat and dairy. Which to me was like, oh, this is a lot. 
so extreme in, in, in that mindset. You thought, wow, it's, this is so extreme. Yeah, exactly. And I, was, I wasn't um, familiar with it. I didn't really know veganism. I was, yeah, I wasn't aware of it. So it was a very difficult thing to adjust. But if you've ever felt that pain, you will do anything to never feel it again. Yeah, definitely. And going, being only 19 and having kidney stones is quite uncommon. As you said, what sort of symptoms were you experiencing for the listeners at home that aren't familiar with, with kidney stones? So it's an extreme, I don't even know how to explain it, but like stabbing pain in your back by your kidneys, like your lower back. And it was always on my right side. Wow. But it's, it's, it's the closest a man will feel to giving birth, they say. That's how sore it is. And I landed up in hospital and I was given morphine. It was a very, and you can't, you can't move. You sort of lie in a fetal position. It's so painful. Wow. But that's the only, you don't, you don't get any other symptoms before. I would never like feel weird before. It was just like an automatic extreme pain immediately. And I dropped to the floor and not know what to do. Well, I was about to ask you, did you have any warning signs leading up to it? But that is, that's quite horrific. And you've painted a, a picture for us all at home. And I know that being in that position, you would have wanted to do anything and everything to, to get rid of that pain. So as the homeopath told you that you should cut all these things out and turn to a plant-based diet, what, what was your transition like? Take us through, was it an overnight thing or did you start, slowly start to eliminate things? How did that work for you? No, it was immediate. It was overnight cold turkey, excuse the pun. I, um, yeah, I just quit everything immediately. And I sort of became the loser in the friendship group and no one really got it. And I wasn't drinking anymore. I adopted the name, the nickname Sober Sam. So I was Sober Sam, yeah. Right. <laughs> that was my nickname in the friendship group. And it was quite difficult going to I didn't really know what I was doing and my family wasn't aware wasn't we knew about it but didn't quite understand what veganism meant so it was a bit complicated to adjust but so I would often find myself eating fries or a plate of rice or plain pasta or I would pick the veggies out of a meat stew or curry that someone had made if I was at a family dinner and it was very hard, especially in uni, because I didn't have time to cook for myself. So there was a lot of moments of me coming home super stressed with a huge workload, just crying on my bedroom floor, not knowing what to eat. And that's when my family was super supportive and amazing. My sister loved, she was always, didn't really like meat. She was vegetarian, but she would eat some meat if it was like super dry and white and like very dead. <laughs> And so she helped me. She loved like Ottolenghi's style cooking. So she taught me a lot. And my mum and her would sometimes make me food and help me through it. And it was super amazing. That's great having that support network there with you. Because I know a lot, of, a lot of teenagers making that decision or even just making the decision, not being forced to make the decision, don't have a lot of support networks around them. And, and there is a lot of resources out there, but people aren't sure where to start. So did you utilize any resources with your transition or did you know where to even begin when you were going through, through the transition? No, I didn't do any research. I didn't read up about it. Uh, Instagram wasn't like a massive thing in South Africa. 
So I wasn't following anyone. I wasn't, I wasn't like reaching out and trying to find things. It was just go and eat meat and dairy and figure it out. So I wasn't really looking up recipes and finding recipe books. That time in South Africa, there was probably one restaurant that was vegan and it was a raw one. And again, it was quite expensive. It was the only milk you could find in the supermarket was soya milk. It was none of these like amazing plant-based alternatives that we have now. I mean, vegan cheese just did not exist. So it was super tough. Definitely. And I know from recording episodes with people that are that have been vegan for a long period of time, it's grown so much. And back then it was just plain tofu and there wasn't the nutritional yeast or the awesome cashew milks or anything like that that we have at the moment. So we're in a great era and we're very lucky to be in this position now. Sam, just a quick one, knowing what you know now and all the resources that you've come across in your life, what are some tips for the listeners if they're going through a transition or thinking about transitioning into a plant-based diet, where should they begin to be equipped with all the information that they need? So I have two things that I like to tell people. One is find your reason. You need to have some sort of motivation as to why you're doing this, otherwise it makes it very difficult. Find a reason, whether it's ethical reasons, whether it's the environment, whether it's just your health, like it was for me in the beginning. Find a reason and let that motivate you and drive sort of the force behind what you're doing. And then my second reason, my second tip would be to pick one thing, go gradual. I wouldn't recommend going full in quitting everything immediately because I've seen so many people, friends and family do that and then they just trip up and give up. So I would say find, I always say start with your milk. It's the easiest thing. So I say go try all the milks you can possibly try. My recommendation is Oatly because I find it's the most, um, it's the closest to milk. It doesn't have some weird taste that people are not used to. It's quite neutral. And start with one thing, your milk whether it's your milk or your cheese or giving up meat, just even giving up red meat, just find one thing and start with that and then gradually start to eliminate other foods from your diet. Definitely, Sam. And there's some fantastic points. And I guess in terms of health and the environment and obviously the animal animals as well, if we can get people eating more plants, then that's more beneficial. And it's important to be equipped with all the education before making big decisions like that because that's how it becomes more sustainable. Would you agree? Exactly, yes. Even if it's just once a week. I have a family here that are only doing vegetarian like once a week and I think that's amazing. It's a step in the right direction. Definitely. Have you seen the new business that Susie and James Cameron have started called OMD for the planet, which is one meal a day for the planet? Have you come across that? I have heard numerous conversations about people talking about that. I haven't looked too much into it, but I'm super excited to hear about it. Yeah, they're fantastic. And for any listeners at home, guys, check that out on Instagram, OMD for the planet. Uh, It explains basically your impact that you can have by just having one meal a day completely plant-based and how that benefits the environment, your health, and obviously the world we live in as well. So definitely check that out. Now, Sam, I just backtracking a little bit. When you were in uni and you were first transitioning into veganism, I understand that you were 
reaching for predominantly things that weren't whole foods, like you mentioned, the fries and heavily processed things as well. So what, what sort of impact was that having on your health? And when did you decide to go for a more whole foods, plant-based approach? I, so I did eat veggies and fruits. I, I did love sort of whole foods, but often when I was out, I would eat those sorts of things. I just, I didn't really think about it. And I was so busy with uni that I wasn't in touch with my body or how it was making me feel. I just, you're always exhausted in uni. So you don't really think about it. But I did that for about a year and then I actually stopped and I sort of flipped between being vegan mainly at home when I was alone and I sort of ate meat maybe like once or twice a month so I sort of flipped between vegan veggie and eating meat on like odd occasion so I sort of fell off the bandwagon or just I just couldn't do it anymore so I sort of flipped around and did whatever but I was still quite conscious of eating a vegan diet because I knew if I ate too much dairy or if I drank the too much alcohol on a night out, I would start to feel throbbing pain in my kidney. And then I knew to like back up and slow down and eat more vegan and be healthy again. And I, and it was, wasn't until I moved to the UK and I went to Sri Lanka on holiday and I met a vegan couple that inspired me to go back on my journey with veganism. And that's when it all sort of, started to snowball and I started researching and learning and educating myself. So I was watching documentaries and I was reading loads of books and I was researching and I started following people on Instagram that were vegan and getting more of an understanding as to why I was doing it. And then it moved from just being about my health to ethical reasons and the environment and understanding what was happening in slaughterhouses and my love for animals grew. That's fantastic. And um, I'm sure you would have come across a quote that you go, you go vegan or you go plant-based for, for one reason. And then once you start to research and open up your mind, all the other reasons definitely fall into place. And I remember you saying that you, you went over to Sri Lanka and you were inspired to get back on the bandwagon and try this whole food plant-based diet again. What, what happened when you met those, you were inspired by those people? Talk us through that. I so I was staying in Hikadua, which is like on the beach, and we met a couple that was staying in the area, and we went and had this beautiful fish barbecue on the beach. And I noticed they weren't eating anything, and I started chatting to them about it, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we're vegan." And I was like, "Oh, amazing! I've tried that before." And I was struggling. I didn't want the fish; wasn't interested in that. I was struggling to find something, and they were like, "Oh, just eat this." And I just started chatting to them about it and what they were doing. And they were very much doing it for the ethical reasons and for animals. And they were super interesting and just shifted my thinking. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I just, I was super inspired by them and their journey. I can't exactly remember the conversation that was part of a while ago now. And that sort of just shifted my view. Awesome. Awesome. And it's, and it's great that you were inspired by other people. And I guess as, as vegans or, or people that do take on a plant-based diet, it's not our duty, but if we can get into conversation with people and, and let people be intrigued by the foods that we're eating, then we can make a far greater impact than, than pushing opinions on, on people that don't, don't really want to know about it. Yes, exactly. That's what I've started to do. In the beginning, you, 
want to like just share all the information you know with everyone and just want to get them on the same wavelength that you are and they can find that quite overwhelming definitely i was the same I <laughs> when i first started i was telling everyone and anyone about this way of life because you felt amazing and you wanted other people to feel these benefits too but but I soon learned that that's not the best approach. And some people do like it that way, but a majority of people don't and rather be, be guided on their own journey than, than pushed into making their, their own uh, making decision for them. So Sam, I understand when you got back from Sri Lanka, you had an epiphany and you decided to change careers. Can you talk us a little bit about that after your studying in the fashion industry? So it wasn't, I still states so I worked at, at Selfridges, which is a big department store. And I had this idea that I was going to be this big buyer in London. And I had all these dreams of working my way up into the fashion industry. And it was only a year later that I went to, I sort of began to realize I, I was quite unhappy and lost and I didn't know what I was doing. And I decided to take a month off and go to Bali in 2017 to do my yoga teacher training, which was a one month intensive course over there. I was so lost and confused in London and I wasn't particularly happy. And so I decided to do that and I was like, this is going to be great for my self-development and I'm going to just figure everything out when I go over there. And when I moved, when I went over there and I did this course, I realized that I was in the wrong path and I was trying to find my purpose of what I wanted to do and my passions. And and I decided that it was food and veganism. I'd grown to love it and I'd started posting things on my Instagram. I probably had about like 300 followers. And I loved taking pictures of my food and telling people about this and sharing my experiences and sort of leading by example. And in Bali, I decided that when I got back to London, I would quit my job. And so I moved, I got back and I quit my job without another job lined up. And I had this idea that I would find a job in a cafe, which I think I found a month after quitting my job. So I found a job in a cafe and I was like, I wanted to go work in a vegan cafe to get free vegan food. And I just have <laughs> to be around like-minded people. Sounds great. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I was, I used to work in a, in a vegan cafe and that was the best part about it. Even though you're running around like a maniac because it was so busy when you finally sat down and ate those that delicious food that they've just made for you is all worth it. That's for sure. Yeah, it was great. And I didn't really have any idea that I wanted to be a chef. I just knew that I wanted to get out of fashion. I wasn't interested in that industry. It was making me miserable. I also began to realize how polluting that industry was. And I was sort of selling clothes that were overpriced. And I didn't really have a meaning behind what I was doing. It was just selling these really expensive clothes. Money was going into the pockets of like these massive giants. And I didn't really want to be involved in that anymore. So I was just happy to go work at a little tiny cafe, eat vegan food and be around great people. And then it was probably about six months in. I found someone contact, connected me with someone on Instagram who was looking for an internship to come work for her plant-based catering company. And it was just her. It was super small. I'd be working there two days a week. And I was like, why not? So I started doing that. And then she offered me a part-time job. And so I learned 
from experience on the job. I had no formal training. She was great. I learned so much from her and that was super exciting to be part of a small company and doing what I love and learning and and yeah and then I and then I asked my cafe if I could please have a job in the kitchen working for them so I started I moved away from the plant-based catering company and I went into the cafe and I started part-time and then I sort of forced my way to full-time begging them for a job and now I'm full-time in the kitchen there that's awesome that's such a that's such a great story and transition and you sort of found your calling what was it like learning on the job as opposed to going through through previous history studying like how did you find the actual on the job training better than um better than studying even though it was a different degree talk to us a little bit about that i found it quite i i preferred it i do i do have i didn't really have the desire to go back and do formal training and go study again so i found it quite exciting it's completely different it's super hands-on you feel super motivated you get to meet the people and yeah there's a more of like a connect you're not just making food and then studying it and then moving on you're sort of there and you're learning from someone who's been doing it for a while and who's super passionate about it so it's completely different and I loved that about it. I loved sort of coming in and having no idea what I was doing today and just learning all these new things every day. It was like information overload. How exciting. And how long was that internship for you where you were learning all the foundations and stuff of how to, how to cook with plant-based foods? So I did the internship for about a month and then I worked for her for probably just under a year but still part-time. Definitely. And now you're you're back at the cafe that you're working at in the kitchen full-time, correct? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. How do you find being able to to prepare those those dishes for people on request as opposed to when you're doing the, the catering sort of aspect to it where it's all a set menu and um, like really just pr- it's pre-packaged and stuff like that? How did you, how did you find that? So we still, I still mainly work for the catering side of my cafe. So we still have similar, we have all our recipes. We're not making it. I don't make food like on the go. Um, it's not like order. It's a cafe style. There's like buffets of food for lunch. Awesome. And then we have all the things in the fridge. Yeah. So it's quite similar. Definitely. Which is great. I love that. I don't know if I could work in a fast paced like commercial kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. And what's what's your favorite dish on the menu at the moment that you love preparing? Uh, probably, spot, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did this so much great food, so it's hard. I love the kachari, which is an Ayurvedic rice dish. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I haven't. Talk us through. How, how does it work? It's delicious. So there's loads of spices, turmeric. It's yellow. It's, it's turmeric, cumin, cumin seeds, coriander seeds. And then you use spring onion and you fry that up with coconut oil. And there's carrots, peppers, courgette. And then you've got your rice and you've got your split lentils. And it's just one pot. It's super easy to make. 
That's and then you can sprinkle it with coriander. Yeah, it's great. We can have it with coconut yogurt and fried shallots on top. I love it. It's I haven't so eaten yet, so I'm actually salivating hearing about that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds incredible. Awesome. Um, now, Sam, I understand that you're, you're doing the, the plant-based chef now at the moment, and I want to know how you extract the most flavor from your foods, and do you have any tips for the listeners on how to do so? With some like cup- spice essentials or pantry essentials and fridge essentials, talk to us about that. My top tip is salt. Salt is great. Salt on everything, even in your porridge in the morning. It brings out the flavor of all your foods. So that's like my top tip. Any particular salt that you use? I've just gotten into the habit of using Himalayan penny Himalayan salt. Himalayan salt, yeah. Awesome. But at work, we use that molden salt, that chef molden salt. Yeah, yep. yeah, you know that. Definitely. Fantastic. And do you have any, any tips for people that are just starting to transition into a plant-based diet and things that they must have in their, in their spice rack to, to add to their dishes alongside salt? I always have coriander, cumin. I have an obsession with smoked paprika. It's great um, flavoring tofu. I've, put it on my sweet potato i put it on potato chips i put it on everything i'm addicted to it i yeah. like that smoky flavor yeah so turmeric's great it's an anti-inflammatory it's great for curries and all those sorts of things cumin turmeric paprika coriander and salt awesome <laughs> they're a great list of spices to extract the most flavor and i'll have those in the show notes for anyone that that quite missed out on them. How about the, the pantry essentials? It could be sweet, it could be savory. What do you have in your pantry that you can't go a day without? I can't live without nutritional yeast. Nice. I love nutritional yeast. I'll sprinkle it on pretty much everything on yep. on toast. On, yeah, just like I always have nutritional yeast. I know that it can be quite tricky to find in some places. What else do I have in there? I have all. The sorts of basic, I always have rice, always have pasta, just those like easy things to whip together with a tomato sauce or a pesto pasta when I can't think of what to eat. Yum. Yeah. Nutritional yeast. Grains. Yeah, yes. nutritional yeast is the best thing ever. Definitely. I literally have it on anything as well. And I'm... A pretty common, a pretty sure that for people that are living in Australia at the moment, they are stocking it at both Coles and Woolworths, which are our big chain supermarkets, or you can go to any independent health food store and they should have it there. It is got, uh, it's loaded with, with B vitamins as well. So that's fantastic on the health side of things. It definitely extracts the most flavor. That's for sure. Sam and lucky last, what about in your fridge? What, what do you, what do you keep in there? So in my fridge, I, I love smoothies. So I always have stuff with smoothies, mainly in my freezer. So I have always have frozen bananas. Always. I love making ice cream, which is ice cream made from bananas. I love making my morning smoothie every morning. And I always have a plant-based milk. It's either oat milk or cashew milk at the moment. I don't know why. And do you, do you make that yourself or do you, do you buy that one? No, I make it myself. I oh. make most of my food myself. Unless I'm going to some like 
I want to try a new vegan restaurant in London and then I'll go out on the weekends. But I love making food at home for myself. So it's anything for a smoothie, kale. I love kale, mint, banana, mango, and plant-based milk. That's like my go-to smoothie. Amazing. Sounds like my type of fridge, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sam, being plant-based, the common misconception around, I know in Australia, I'm not sure in London, but it can get quite expensive if you're shopping for all the luxurious vegan foods like your mock meats and, and little things like your cashew parmesan cheese and stuff like that which can definitely get expensive what's your advice for people on how to eat a whole foods plant-based diet without breaking the bank and what are some things that they they can get to make sure that they're they're getting all their nutrients and obviously getting the most flavor with their food yeah so i always avoid i always believe like 80 percent whole foods plant-based that's your legumes your nuts your seeds your grains, your fruits and your veggies. I don't believe that we should be eating tons of these mock meats, but if that's the easiest way for you to transition and you want to swap out the steak on your plate for a mock meat, then great, have that. But I do believe that you should be, don't want to break the bank. The cheapest things that you can get are legumes and fruits and vegetables. They're so cheap, they're endless. So I always recommend sticking to that rather than going for mock meats they're great alternatives and it's great that we have them but they don't need to be the majority of your diet my tip is always yeah to go for whole foods yeah hit the nail on the head there sam i a thing i've just started recently doing is cooking a massive batch of brown rice and keeping that in the fridge for me throughout the week and then basically preparing my meals around that so i might have the brown rice for lunch one day and then dinner with some other things make a quick fried rice so a little tip that i can give for people which are transitioning or just struggling for inspiration with their food is is prepare a staple that you can build a meal around at the beginning of the week and let that last for a couple of days i'm not sure how you approach your your eating sam whether you do that or you're more cooking on the spot yeah, so before I started chefing, because now I mainly eat all my meals at work, I always meal prepped. It's the easiest thing. You don't have to think about it. You just spend your Sunday night cooking what you love and make it super simple, whether it's a lentil curry or fried rice or some sort of noodle dish or pasta dish. I think the easiest thing is to food prep and always have snacks in your bag, whether it's fruits or nuts or seeds or a fruit bar or something to keep you going so that if you're on the go and you can't find anything, you always have something to grab and you don't have to panic and worry. Yeah, so those sorts of things. Meal prepping is the best thing because it can get quite tricky and you can lose motivation or creativity and get a bit lost. Definitely. And if you're struggling for creativity or inspiration, definitely head over to Sam's Instagram profile. I'll have the link in the show notes for you guys, but some of the posts that I've come along are to die for, and she's definitely doing amazing things in London. That's for sure. Now, Sam, I know the vegan scene in London is huge. And for all my UK listeners, what what are your favorite places to eat out? My favorite place to eat is the first restaurant I discovered in London. It's called Mildred's. Mildred. It's been going, it's one of the longest vegetarian restaurants in London. And they started, when I first started going, it was very 
much vegetarian and there was a few vegan options and now it's predominantly vegan and they have one or two veggie options and they have three lo- three or four locations then awesome. there's no booking you walk in it's easy so it's mildred's i love and um, wolf and lamb which is just three minutes walk from my cafe and then of course my cafe which is raw press Raw Press, got to chuck that little plug in there, of course. Yes, healthy, mainly raw food, delicious, nutritious. It's great. Fantastic. For anyone that is in the UK, definitely Google search those places and and get around to them. I'm sure Sam's recommendation comes highly, being a chef herself. And I'll have those in the show notes for you as well. Now, Sam... I understand that there are some common myths about plant-based cooking, that there's no flavor to it and people only eat grass and just eat, you know, plain (laughs) vegetables. What is the biggest myth that you have heard about cooking with plants? Oh, that's a tricky one. I've put you on the spot a few times tonight. Yeah, you have. (laughs) The biggest myth I've heard is that, Probably that you can't get a whole, you can't get all your nutrients from eating a plant-based diet. You'll always be missing something, which is just definitely not true. Definitely. And a common thing I always go back to is that if athletes are thriving at the top level from eating a plant-based diet, like Lewis Hamilton, arguably the best F1 driver ever, uh, we've got soccer players, we've got cricket players in Australia with Peter Siddle, Nick Madison, and they're clearly thriving from this lifestyle, then there's really no excuse that we can't thrive as well. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, Sam, I want to know what you eat in a day. What are your go-to meals that you that you prepare for yourself? Or like you said before, you eat at the cafe. What's your What's the main thing that you eat? My favorite thing that I literally wake up that gets me out of bed to eat is my smoothie, my morning smoothie. I'm addicted to smoothies. I love them. I could probably eat a smoothie for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love them. Or ice, or an ice cream, the banana ice cream. I love that. That's just a thicker I, version of the smoothie, which is great. Yeah, it's delicious. I, and in my morning smoothie, I always have banana. My main one that I've been eating forever is the, I mentioned before, banana, kale, mango, mint. Mint in a smoothie is so good. And then your plant-based milk. But at the moment, I'm eating a smoothie that's got bananas, strawberries, flax seeds, which are ground, and pumpkin seeds, pineapple, and cashew milk. Amazing. I haven't tried mint in a smoothie. I'm definitely going to do that with a bit of cacao powder because my weakness is chalk mint. So I can't wait to try that one tomorrow. Yeah, that, that's a good combination. It's delicious. You've got to put a lot in, but it's so good. Yeah, and then definitely. for lunch, I, at the moment, have been having avo on toast with hummus, which some people have never tried. I hummus, can't say I've tried avo that. on toast. It's so good. I can't believe there's so many people that haven't tried it. I love that. And then I'll have a bit of rocket on it. I always sprinkle nutritional yeast, maybe some like fried shallots. Otherwise, I'll have the kachari that I spoke about or our cafe does a mushroom mac and cheese, which I love. I'm lucky enough to work at the cafe to be able to have that. But if I was at home, I would have a stir fry 
with noodles or rice or I'd have a Thai green curry which I love making and then dinner would be similar to those sorts of things. Wow, that is honestly, if it wasn't eight o'clock, I'd probably be going and making those those meals right now. <laughs> <laughs> they sound awesome. Sam, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit again. I'm going to give okay. you five ingredients here. I want you to tell me what you'd create and how you'd create it. So ingredients we've got, we've got broccolini, pumpkin, tofu, cashews, and purple sweet potato. Broccolini, pumpkin, tofu, cashew, tofu, and purple sweet potato. Purple sweet potato. Broccolini, is that broccoli? Yes. Yeah, it's a mini version of broccoli. A mini version of broccoli. I haven't heard that before. There you go. I, yeah, I would probably make a curry, but then I would have to add something in. Endless amount of spices. Yeah, endless amounts of spices, and I'd probably add coconut milk or coconut cream in there, and I'd make a curry. Um, yeah, I would add all my spices. I would add fry some garlic up with a little bit of onion. I would put your cumin, your coriander, your a little bit of turmeric, and yeah, I would fry that up and put it with coconut milk and cook it for probably twenty to thirty minutes. So with some rice. Yum. Yeah. There you go. I've put you on the spot. That's the third time in this episode and you you're coming <laughs> You're dodging these bullets. That's fantastic. Well done, Sam. I wanna know what are your plans for the future with with everything that you're doing? Do you have any big ambitions to to start your own cafe? What does the future look like for you? I so my goal for this year. I hope that within a year I will come out with an ebook, recipe book, all my favorite recipes. Awesome. And then I hope from there that I will be able to come out with a proper published recipe book. Those are sort of my goals for the moment. I did like the idea of opening up a cafe, but I've worked in a cafe and it's sort of opened, changed my ideas because it's very tough. Definitely. So it could be in the works for the future. I don't know. It would probably be something small. But awesome. at the moment, it's recipe books and ebooks and getting my Instagram going and my blog and start generating an income from that. That's fantastic. And I'll keep you to that ebook because I'll probably be one of your, your first customers with that based on what you've just told me in this episode. <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> Sam, we're coming to the end of the podcast now. And I really want to know, being through your whole journey, you obviously, your purpose and your message has changed throughout your life. What is your main message at the moment? Why do you get up out of bed each and every day? Wow. <laughs> I, my main purpose and the main, my dad actually asked me when I was so lost and confused and I was moving between fashion and food and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And he asked me, he said that what would make you happy? What would feed your soul? What do you actually want to do? And I said, the number one thing was I just wanted to be happy. And he was like, no, no, no. What do you mean by that? What would make you happy? And I think I said to him, it would be helping other people. 
and so through my journey and through Instagram and and that that's been my main goal to help other people transition to a plant-based diet and help them whether it's through their health or through other areas aspects in their life just help them and educate people on the importance of a plant-based diet not just for us but for the animals and for the planet and I know that it will help so many people in turn so that's my main thing definitely that's amazing sam and i wish you all the best with everything that you're doing where can we reach you to find out all of your amazing recipes or or have a look at your instagram profile what's your what's your plug for the listeners at home which i'll have in the show notes my instagram is sammy s-a-m-m-y nix n-i-c-k-s and then my blog which the link is on my instagram is bunny Chow londonldn.com awesome and that i've got a few recipes on there i'm going to be working on that a bit more Fantastic. and then you can come say hi at my cafe if you're in london definitely okay. for anyone that is in the uk head over there and say hello to sam uh, thank you so much sam it's been amazing getting an insight into everything that you're doing in the plant-based community and how how you've transitioned your life to to fulfill your main message. Now we're going to finish off with a little bit of fun with this episode. I'm going to give you a few, few things that you would rather have in your life. So for example, there's two options and you've just got to pick one. Cool. Okay. Alrighty. Here we go. So would you rather tofu or tempeh to eat and cook with? Tofu. Tofu. Yum. I'm the same. Broccoli or snow peas? Broccoli. Broccoli. This next one's pretty straightforward. You made it evident in the start of the podcast. Salt or pepper? Salt. Salt, definitely. (laughs) Again, another one, nutritional yeast or cashew parmesan? Nutritional yeast. Have you had the cashew parmesan, by the way? I have definitely tried it, I think, once in my life. But I don't, I have never made it. But I can make it with nutritional yeast. Yes. (laughs) You can't go past nutritional yeast for sure. <laughs> pasta or rice? Oh, pasta. Pasta, yum. Sweet or savoury? Savoury. Nice. Bananas or berries? Bananas. Chia seeds or flax seeds? Flax seeds. Flax seeds, there you go. And this lucky last one, would you rather lose your taste or lose your smell? your sense of taste or lose your sense of smell? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's deep, isn't it? That's so hard. I lose my sense of smell. Lose your sense of smell. There you go. Sam, thank you so much for your time, and I really appreciate you getting up nice and early to record this podcast on the other side of the world. I'll have all of your links and details in the show notes for anyone that is wanting to get in contact with you, and don't be scared to reach out for any inspiration or if you just need some some help transitioning into a plant-based diet. I'm sure Sam will love to dedicate her time to you guys. Well, thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This was lovely. Not a problem. It was nice to connect as well. Have a good evening. You too. Enjoy the rest of your day. And that's this week's dose of Euphoria. Connect with myself and the Euphoria Health community on Instagram or Facebook at Euphoria Health. Through these channels, you'll find cool workouts, plant-based recipes and daily challenges. 
Until next time, guys, I'm your host, Matt Zapala, and remember, don't settle for anything less than euphoria.